Welcome to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners. I'm your host, Maureen Warbach. Hey guys, welcome to episode nine of the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. Uh, Today we'll be talking about startup considerations. What is it that you need to know before starting a group practice? What things need to be put in place to have a successful group practice? And what are the first things you need to do to be successful? I think it's important to first think about why it is that you want a group practice. I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about before they hire their first clinician. Um, and many just hire their first clinician because they filled up their own space and time and have an extra space to hire someone else. So they find that person and then start filling them up. And they don't really think about why it is that they want a group practice before doing so. Why I think this is important is that it will lead you in the direction that you should be going for your group practice if you think about that first. So for some people, they might want to own a group practice so that they can have a sense of community and have other therapists around and also increase the amount of help that they can give to the people in their community. Um, So it's something to think about before you start hiring your first person is why you actually want a group practice because that will be the foundation of molding, starting, and growing your group practice. The second piece is what will what purpose will your group practice serve? I think this is an important question to ask yourself only because I've seen a lot of clinicians hire some therapists and then as they hire start making those changes to fit what they realize then that they want their group practice to look like. So just taking a little bit of time in the beginning to figure out what it is that you want for your group practice, what purpose will it serve in your community? So for my group practice, what I wanted before I hired my first person was to be the place that people can go to in our community. We don't have a lot of practices in our zip code, and I'm in Chicago, so we kind of go by zip codes. I know in some other places you think by city or by neighborhood, but we, we kind of look at it by zip codes, at least in, in Chicago, because there's so many neighborhoods and it's so condensed. So in our neighborhood, we had just a couple of therapists and well, actually when I started, we had none. Now there's a couple of therapists. And what I really wanted was for urban wellness, my practice to be the go-to place for people in our community to get mental health services. So that thought helped me realize who I would need to hire Um, since I wasn't wanting something specific to a certain concern or issue. Um, For example, I didn't want to have a a practice that was geared towards trauma only or postpartum depression or uh, drug and alcohol counseling. I wanted something where I could hire people that had different backgrounds, be diversified in that sense, so that if someone in the community needed services relating to mental health, whether it was for drug and alcohol counseling or for their kids or for couples counseling or trauma, that they would be able to find someone most likely at my group practice. So uh, right now we're at about 13 therapists and we have an art therapist, a certified drug and alcohol counselor, a dance and movement therapist, a couple of trauma therapists, one who specializes in OCD and anxiety, one who works specifically with Uh, fire and police personnel for the Chicago Fire Department and Police Department. And um, I'm trying to think 
there's anything else. Oh, and one who specializes in working with children with ADHD and autism and one who specializes in working with kids with behavioral issues. So as you can see, we're pretty vast. And that was what my goal for starting my group practice was, is that I could have anyone in the community likely be able to come to our practice. And that's something I'm still growing and fine tuning as the years go by. But I think this is an important question to ask yourself is what purpose will it serve? What purpose will your group have in the community or city that you're in? And that will help you figure out who you need to hire. Um, Things to think about are, are there services that are lacking in your community? Is there a specific service that you're really wanting to hone in on for everyone in your group practice, like having a drug and alcohol treatment center? Do you want to have diverse services like myself? Um, And if so, what services are most important for the members of your community? And you can look at that by going to your local schools and seeing what the common issues are within those schools in your community. Um, looking around at local businesses, asking your chamber of commerce, and just seeing what is it that people are asking for most. Also, Facebook is really good for that too. They Every neighborhood has um, Facebook groups and people are asking questions in there all the time. So you can look in, in Facebook groups within your community as well to see what is it that people are asking about. Um, and then also it, being able to expand beyond just counseling services For example, we also provide psychological testing um, because we have a lot of schools in our neighborhood and a lot of children who need IEP testing done. So we have a psychologist as well who doesn't do counseling or any sort of therapy for our practice, but she does psychological testing for children and adults. And this is something that as time went on, I realized was a need that was lacking in our community and decided to jump into that opportunity and find someone who can do that for people in our neighborhood. So uh, like I said, first thing to do is ask yourself why you want a group practice. Second is to ask yourself what purpose it will serve. And within that, I think it's really important to look at um, your business plan. If you haven't set one up, these questions do get answered in a, in a business plan. And there are tons of business plan templates on the web and also on the Group Practice Exchange website. So you can also check on there to see what it is that should be in a business plan, but it will also help you realize the direction you need to go in and asks you you to think about certain things that you might not normally or naturally think about yourself. Another thing to think about before hiring anyone is making sure that you have an accountant who can talk to you about expenses and income and projections and taxes and all of that fun stuff and also to have an attorney who can look at the paperwork that you have whether it's your contracts for employees or contracts for your independent contractors as well as your new client paperwork and any other documents you might need for your group practice. From that point you're going to have to decide whether you want 1099s or independent contractors or employees. So I think this is one of the questions that people get stuck on. And often people will default to having independent contractors because it seems less scary and it's and or it's easier to have independent contractors. Um, But I think it's really important to think about that 
before you just jump into the independent contractor route? I know a lot of people are scared about the taxes and where they need to pay taxes towards, and it just sounds really complicated, but it's actually not. Um, I have all my therapists are employees. They used to be independent contractors, and I decided a couple of years ago that based off of how I was running my business, it was better for them to become employees. There's a certain amount of expectations that I hold for the people that work in my practice and those expectations were geared towards employees. So I made that switch. But I also still have an independent contractor who's my psychologist. She is not doing therapy in our office. She comes and goes as she pleases, schedules her own appointments. Um, I don't check in with her with regards to if she's marketing herself and when she's coming in next. So she really is, by definition, an independent contractor. So I've kept her that way. But I think this is something to really think about before you decide just to not have employees because you may realize in the future that the way you're running your business and the way you're treating the staff is more like employees. Not that it's not that difficult to make the switch later like I did, but I think it's really important to think about it deeply before just jumping into having independent contractors. Although there are plenty of practices and group practices that choose to have independent contractors and and treat them as such. The next thing to think about is how, you know, where do you see yourself in three years from now when it comes to your group practice? Some of you might realize that your three-year plan looks something like going from a one-office space to a three-office space or having six to ten therapists. So knowing that um, at the beginning of starting your group practice can help you make some decisions that will make that goal easier in the long run. For some people, it might mean jumping right into getting a space that maybe is a little bit larger than what you're initially looking for. For some other people, um, it might look a little different. But having that idea in your head for what your practice will look like in three years from now can help you make some really good decisions now. Um, Another idea I was just thinking of is if you know that in three years you're hoping to be able to add a few more therapists to be around, let's say, 10 clinicians, but you have a two-office space and you signed a five-year lease, that obviously isn't going to work unless you open up another location. So, And that's something to think about, too. Do you want to expand your location to be bigger, or do you want to have several locations? And obviously, all of that can change with time as you get comfortable and as you see where your practice is heading. But it's really good to take a look at that in the beginning and try to figure out what it is that you're hoping to have your practice look like and adjust it every year. Take a look at what your plan was last year, how you're going, you know, to see if you're going in the right direction with that plan a year later. Um, So I do that each year. I kind of look at what my business plan has said I was going to do and I make any adjustments to my business plan or add some new goals to it. The next thing to think about before you start hiring your first clinician is to Figure out what role it is that you want to play with your therapist as well as what role you want them to have in your business. Some group practice owners prefer to be more hands-off. Some prefer to have a little bit more control. And all of this plays an important role in deciding whether or not you want 1099 or independent contractors or employees. So for me, when I first started my practice, I hired my clinicians as Uh, independent contractors. But about a year into it, I realized that I was 
probably treating them a little bit more like employees. And so at that point, a few years ago, I changed my clinicians to employees. So although that's not a hard process at all, it's would be easier to think about what you want your role and their role in your group practice to be. So in my example, I wanted to be able to have supervision for everyone. I wanted to be able to set some ground rules for how I want the process and procedures in my office to run so that everything feels smooth and um, that everyone's doing everything the same. So in that sense, I was really treating my employees like employees, which is why I made that shift. And that's something to think about and is different practice by practice. I have a friend who has independent contractors um, as his as his staff, and he is a little more hands-off. He um, runs his business differently than I run mine. And I think that's what's really beautiful about being able to own a group practice is the flexibility that you have in how your business is run and how it's managed and how you take care of your therapists. So it's, I think, really important to think about what it is that you want your role as a business owner to be with your therapist. I really like being hands-on with them and giving suggestions and getting feedback from them. And I like my systems that are in place, how smooth they run, that we're all using you know, the same programs and EHR system. And I have a clinical director who makes sure that the notes are being done and that they're not, you know, waiting weeks to do their notes and they're also writing their notes thorough enough not too thorough but not thorough enough um she you know helps them when they have case consultation issues and we are all just kind of comrades in in this and it's a really nice feel um so that's something to to think about before you hire your first clinician and if you already have then obviously it's something to look and see is how you're treating your clinicians congruent with having independent contractors or is it more in line with how you would be treating employees? Um, I want to end this by giving you a couple first tips before starting a group practice. One is obviously getting your space in order and figuring out what type of space is it that's most conducive to the type of group practice that you want to have. The second is getting your paperwork in order. I can't stress enough how much better it will feel when you start to hire clinicians if you have your paperwork in order, seen by an attorney, your contracts, whether it's independent contractor contracts, employee contracts, your intake paperwork, and if you're offering any special sort of services that you have outpatient service agreements and um, that everything, all the forms that you have are looked at by an attorney and okay to go. And to then also think about what are the processes that you need in place to make your group practice run smoothly. And obviously, this is something that's a work in progress and that as you hire clinicians, you will mold and change a little bit because obviously the processes that you have as a solo practitioner might look a little different once you have a few employees under your belt or independent contractors under your belt. But start taking a look at what are the processes that are important to having your group practice run well. Um, I'm going to be doing a whole podcast episode on that in a couple of episodes. But um, the good place to start is 
just your initial point of contact with a client, whether that's that phone call or email, all the way through their first session. What are the steps and procedures that um, need to be in place so that everything goes smoothly from who gets the initial call or email? How is that scheduled and where? Who, how do they get their intake paperwork online? Do they fill it out online? Do they get it in the mail, which is probably not that effective right anymore? Do they do you email it to them? Do they come in and fill out that paperwork? Are you, if you're taking insurance, who's doing those benefit checks and how is the client getting the benefit information? Who's taking the payment if there's a copay or not? Uh, or deductible, or if they're paying, you know, full fee, is the clinician taking the payment, or is there some admin person that's in the office that's going to be taking the payment? And then who is, uh, you know, who is checking those those payments and making sure that uh, the accounting piece from clinic client to client is accurate? So those are some of the first step processes that I think are really important to have, you know, down packed before you hire your first clinician. Um, Okay, well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange podcast. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next week.